On this week's episode of The Swearwolves, we discuss our favorite sci-fi horror movies as well as an in-depth discussion of John Carpenter's The Thing. Welcome to the Swearwolves Horror Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things horror. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. And welcome to episode number four. In this episode, we decided to discuss sci-fi horror movies. I believe I had brought up to you guys uh, a few weeks back <clears throat> off mic about The Predator and whether or not that was considered a horror movie, because um, I know there's a lot of people, at least in the um, collectible Uh, arena of horror stuff that collect predator collectibles do you guys consider that to be a sci-fi horror movie i mean it's an action film right it's definitely action yeah um i would it's weird uh and i'm sure we're all geeky where we have our (laughs) blu-ray collection sorted strangely and the predator is right between the sci-fi and the horror section of uh of my collection but yeah i'd say it blurs that line it, um, yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And especially when, you know, another great sci-fi horror movie is Alien, yeah. right? The original. And I think when Alien and Predator started crossing, um, which I actually liked that movie, Alien versus Predator, the first one. Yeah, I remember that one. That one was pretty good. It. It, was, it, was actually, it was actually really good. But, um, you know, Alien, the first original, we'll just, we'll just say Alien because... Mm-hmm. You know, everybody always prefaces that by saying, oh, the original Alien, but Aliens yeah, was the sequel. So. It's just Alien and Alien. Aliens yeah. is the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Alien is a horror movie, in my uh, opinion. I mean, I guess we could throw sci-fi horror just because they're in space. Right. Right. Space yeah, factor. that one and Predator are both monster movies at the heart of it. Yeah, definitely. But I, I, I really like Predator, the, uh, the original Predator. Um, I haven't seen the latest one. I haven't no. either. It looks, it looks pretty good, things, though. But yeah, it does look cool. Um, yeah. I saw Predator 2 I did not like. I didn't like that one. <laughs> That's the one that's in the city, right? Yeah, Danny, Danny Glover. Glover? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Predator 2 was a dark comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think intentionally. It was The film was dark, and it made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, another favorite sci-fi horror movie that I have is The Fly. Yes. Jeff Goldblum? Jeff the, Goldblum. No, yeah, yeah, the the Cronenberg, right? Agreed. Yeah. Um I think that that that's creepy. When yeah. he starts turning and he's got that jar, he's got those jars of like body parts <laughs> yeah. that have fallen off. He's, there was a penis in there. Was one, def- there? Yeah, there was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like a fly human fly dick. There uh, was a part yeah. in that where uh where he started transforming, but it was very subtle. Mm-hmm. It was very subtle moments like when he started to get that I guess it was like a hair on his back. Yeah. And it was, it was so subtle. It was such a subtle effect, 
but it was so disgusting, you know. And he plucks it, and it's really and thick. Pl- yeah, it's yeah. really thick, and it's you know just little things like he starts that. getting the sores. Yeah, and, yeah, its complexion starts to change. Right, and at first it's not like in your face effects, you know, but it does the trick. You know, it it's it, it it's so subtle, and it's so it's such a minor effect, but it really gets to you. To me personally, more so than some of the gorier effects from other movies. Yeah. And then the movie starts to take off and, you know, some really nasty shit starts happening. Well, do you remember when they do the tran- the first transportation with the chimp? Yeah, the baboon, yes. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it it all mangled. That's and, what I was going to say. That that was an image that stayed oh, with me yeah. as a kid. Uh, yeah. yeah. When, when they transported it and he fucks it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just oh, an abomination. And then he's like, man, fuck it. I'll get in there. I'll get in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the, original, the original fly, the 1950s or 60s movie? Did you guys, Vincent Price? Like, did, you, did you guys see that? I no. have seen it. Um, what is I, that about? I don't remember much of it. Because obviously that's not about a guy who teleports and mixes with a fly, right? I uh, I think so. Well, it, I don't know if it has a tele, uh, teleportation part, but he does become... But doesn't a, he become small? Yeah, I think so. He's all, yeah. help, help me, help, help me. me. That's all I know about that movie is the help yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've never seen it. In but fact, that, I don't think I've ever seen a Vincent Price film. What? Really? Yeah. Except for, well, I don't remember the last one I saw. I'm a big uh, fan of the original House of Wax. That's yeah, a really go. good Vincent Price movie. I love that one. It's better than the one with Paris Hilton. It really is. Although <laughs> Paris Hilton dies. I, don't, I, I shouldn't I say actually that. Don't I, find I don't mind the Paris remake Hilton. to be that bad. I expected that movie to be terrible. No, and Paris Hilton doesn't annoy me yeah. as much as like no. people. That's also that's one of those movies I, I really don't know if I like it or if my expectations were just so low that when I saw yeah. it, I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But it wasn't sci-fi, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> David. David, what do you got on your list? Um, for me, I would say, have you ever seen uh, Sunshine? Mm-mm. You guys are killing Sunshine? me. Sunshine? <laughs> yeah, it's a Danny Boyle movie. Okay. And it's, uh, it takes place in space, obviously. Um, and it's the Earth is dying, and essentially the sun has stopped. Like, the sun has died. So they send a crew of people to reignite the sun with nuclear power. Um, but they're the second crew that gets sent up, and we don't really know exactly what happened to the first crew. Ooh, I kind of like things like and that. It's a strange, it's a really weird movie. When you watch it, it's one of those that shifts gears about two thirds of the way in. It really starts as like a hard sci-fi movie. It kind of reminded me of Alien. Yeah. Um, and then it turns into sort of a monster movie. What year? Ah, uh, this uh, maybe two thousand. I'm gonna say like two thousand five. So this was after somewhere 20, somewhere in there. Twenty eight days later. Because yeah. Danny Boyle yeah, was did that, that one, right? Yep. I kind of like that, uh, you know, that storyline in movies. Like, what happened to that original crew? Right. You yeah. Know? And yeah, you I'll have to out. check that movie. It's out. actually really cool. Yeah. yeah. What do you got on your list, Alan? Well, I have Life Force. It's uh, a movie I saw a few years ago. I picked up the special edition Blu-ray that Scream Factory put out, and it's from 1985. It's Toby Hooper, right? Correct. Yeah, he he directed it. Uh, it's Basically, a space vampire flick. It's another one of those movies that uh, basically takes that element of what happened to that original crew. So the way it starts out is this crew is uh, going out to space to Halley's Comet, and they're going out to the tail of Halley's Comet. And within 9,000 miles of the comet, is there's an alien spacecraft. And so they go out there 
and they enter the spacecraft and they recover three bodies and they're enclosed in like these kind of glass, almost like coffins or chambers. And so they take them back aboard the craft and the movie kind of fast forwards to um, the British space station. They send another crew to outer space to find that original spaceship that recovered these bodies. And they link up the two ships and they go into the original spacecraft and it's just burned. It's charred. They don't know what happened, Hmm. but then they find the three bodies still enclosed in these glass chambers and they look like they're asleep. And you know, it's a woman and two guys and they're, they're nude and they're, unscathed they're untouched but everything on this ship is destroyed they find bodies charred to death and it's 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 really bizarre so this new craft takes the bodies back to earth and they have the woman on a um, operating table and she comes alive and she attacks a guard. The guard is uh, attracted to her, you know. She's naked, right? Yeah, she's naked. She's naked a lot in that movie. From what <laughs> yeah. That's like so, the only thing I remember about the movie is that she's naked. Is there anybody uh, in this, like, name-wise? Uh, name Steve Railsback. Okay. Mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart. Oh. Um, who else? The girl is Matilda May. I think it's her first major film role. But uh, I don't want to get too much into it. I just wanted to kind of set, you know, uh, yeah. I remember the, the setting. It. It's 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 really aside from the, the the gratuitous nudity, I do remember also liking the movie. <laughs> yeah, and and what was cool about this movie is uh, the movie has good logic. You know, they figure out what this girl's doing to people, and she's going around London, and then the other two guys come into play, the other two space vampires. So London just <laughs> goes into chaos. But I don't want to give too much away, so, but, but check it out, definitely. Eventually, every type of monster or franchise, it, they all end up in space, yeah. eventually. I'm still waiting Leprechaun. for Jaws, Jaws in space. It's yeah, gonna Jaws in space should happen. Let's make it happen. Well, probably Sharknado. They're probably <laughs> going to do a Sharknado <laughs> in space. Um, vampire, real quick, kind of divert this conversation, but I was talking to my wife last night about vampires because we were watching Interview with the Vampire. Uh, she, she had a dream about it for whatever reason. She's like, I want to watch this movie, so put it on. And it, it's a good movie, actually. I do like that movie. Um, but why is it that all, I shouldn't say all, but most women love vampires in some form. Like, they might not, like, love Bella Lugosi, but they love Brad Pitt. There's, like, a romanticism. Yeah. They love Twilight. Element to mm-hmm. it. Or they love uh, True Blood. That was a pretty big uh, TV yeah. show with vampires, and everybody was all about the vampires and and how the vampires just like chicks just get turned on by vampires. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. True. No, Why? Why though? I don't know. It's the the shimmering skin. I don't. That's only that's only Twilight. Twilight. I once got stuck watching like the entire uh, Twilight series, like a marathon. It was my wife and her she likes sister it though, right? And her aunt. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. she does. And yeah. It was. It was. It was, a, it was rough. It was a rough day. Chicks like vampires. Yeah, <laughs> something about, you know, most vampire movies, the vampire needs someone to live on, you know. But they, they, they fall in love with them. And then, like, when, when I, in that movie, uh, Lestat, Tom Cruise is, like, 
feeding on this chick and she's like having an orgasm <laughs> and she's like bleeding out and she's all <gasps> <gasps> maybe it feels really good I don't know, I don't know either but uh, another sci-fi film I'll have to check out Life Force I, yeah. I've, I've heard about it, it, um, it I, and I did hear that it was you know vampires in space so that yeah. kind of turned me off like really quick it, it you know it it took the vampire story but it took it to another level and uh, another thing is these vampires aren't biting into other people. They're actually drawing the life force. There you go. Ah, out of other we people. got a like, title. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're not biting, but they're like taking our life force. Yeah. They're like, they're, there's really cool effects in it, uh, but you got to check it out. That's uh, cool. Um, how about the movie cube? Did you guys ever see that movie? Yeah. Came out in the late nineties. Who's in it? No one, as no far one. as I remember. <laughs> I mean, people are is in it. it. <laughs> like, I can, it's not I just can a picture cube. the. Is it cube the or box? the cube? I think it's just cube. Oh, it's just cube. Um, I was thinking of something else. But it's like don't think I ever these it, people wake up mm-hmm. and they're in a room. The thing I, I really liked because it was a smaller. I don't know if it was an independent film, but definitely like a low budget, and they could film the whole movie in one room. Even though they're going from room to room, every room looks the same, hmm. except for maybe a different color. But they wake up. They don't know why they're there. It's kind of that whole premise. And they're trying to escape. And they're trying. And each room might have a booby trap in it. Um, and it was a, it was pretty intense. And it's uh, definitely falls in that sci-fi kind of horror. Like, yeah. what mm-hmm. the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> um, it, it was really good. And I, I, I really liked that movie when it first came out. They made a couple of sequels. Cube 2 and I think Cube 0. Um, I don't know if they made it. from 2 to one. 0. Well, zero was a prequel. prequel. Oh, I was gonna say it seems like a cube cubed. Cube, yeah, they didn't really they, that. they missed an opportunity there. <laughs> cube cubed would have just you had one job to do. People's yeah, mind. Cube title maker guy. That would just piece blown. of shit. Isn't that an imaginary number? Cube cubed. <laughs> cube cubed. Your brain just explodes. Yeah. Um, you got another one that we've seen, David? No. <laughs> I have another one. Uh, you got another one, Alan? No. Uh, well, I was going to say the Predator 2, and that, you know, you raised really good As question. well, you mean? Yeah. But not Predator 2? No, not Predator Not, not also. <laughs> but Predator, Predator also. Um, how about this movie? Critters. Critters. Sci-fi horror. <laughs> I was just thinking about Critters the other day. I <laughs> loved that movie when I was a kid. Well, it's because I remember that was one of those, the box art. You go to the yeah. video store, the box art was awesome with the big critter. Yeah. Same thing with Ghoulies, a little oh, creature coming out of ghoulies the, was, coming out of the, oh, the, man. the toilet. So misrepresented. Uh, uh, Ghoulies was terrible. <laughs> but Critters, I thought was really good. And like the aliens come down that are hunting the Critters and they take the form of that like rock band. And, and, and that kid like really likes that rock, uh, those rock band guys. And, he, and he's all about them. It, that movie I, I thought was really good. Does it have good. D. Wallace in it? Critters? It's, oh, I think it does have D. Wallace. And I think the boy. The boy's somebody too. Um, but he, I think was her in real life, like stepson. Oh, okay. Um, I got another one before we get into kind of our major discussion here. Swamp thing. That movie, I, with Adrian Barbeau, Mm. I saw that movie when I was just a little kid and I just remember being creeped out by that movie and it's sci-fi and it's horror. Yeah, when I was a kid too. I saw it, yeah, as a kid. I don't remember it well, but I remember liking it. Oh, I loved that movie. They're doing a, uh, aren't they doing a remake or a a TV show? I think oh, yeah. based on Swamp Thing and Derek Mears, who played Jason in the Friday the Thirteenth remake, 
uh, is going to be in it. Oh, is he going to be? I think he's playing the, the swamp, swamp thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, because that that's a Marvel comic. Um, Wasn't there a cartoon as well? Yeah, there was like a Saturday morning cartoon, briefly, kind of thing. right? Uh, that's, yeah, that around familiar. the same time as there was like the Toxic Crusaders. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want to say late 80s. Toxic Crusaders. Crusaders. They're, They're gross, but, but they, they still, still get like girls. <laughs> you could never, yeah. I wouldn't fly today. No. <laughs> oh. Is, uh, well, no. Never mind. Um, yeah, so sci-fi horror movies probably, um, I know your guys' favorite. Yeah. The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. Yep. Let's talk about it. What do you guys think about this movie? Uh, when I first saw it, um, I don't remember how old I was. I was, I was probably a pre-teenager, but um, it was on television, so I didn't get the full version at the time. But what I saw, it just blew me away. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on TV. And uh, it's pretty funny because my we were flipping channels. My dad was sitting there on the couch, and and we just started watching it and we didn't know what we were watching. Like it was an action movie or what what was this, you know? So, you know, we were watching and then, you know, you started seeing uh the thing transform in these guys and you know, you start seeing all this fucked up shit happening to them and <laughs> and the thing that's memorable for me is it made my dad laugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like none of us were freaked out. I I was just like, wow, like, you know, what is this? And my dad was just laughing. You know, he thought it was funny. But uh no, it it when I first saw it, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And it stuck with me ever since. And to this day, it's still um one of the best, not only sci-fi horror movies, but one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, the cast of characters, um, you have the music, it, it all just adds up to me. For me, um, very similar. Uh, it's my favorite horror movie and it might well be my, it's in, it's one of my top favorite movies ever. It's probably in my top five, mm-hmm. uh, maybe higher. I would say the same. Um, but I remember the first time I saw it, uh, I was just starting to get into scary movies and spooky things and I was probably maybe like eight or nine years old. And I remember asking my dad, my mom had already gone to bed one day, uh, one night, and I was like, hey, uh, can we watch something scary? And my dad, like, I could see the hesitation. He was like, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I was like, it's something really scary. Did he have, like, a VHS collection? Yeah, yeah, he had oh, okay. a VHS, like, yeah. Do your parents like horror movies? My dad, uh, yeah, a little bit. My my parents, I grew up in a, in a Halloween house, for sure. Uh, okay. Halloween was the big, still is with my family, so... Yeah, big into horror movies, but I also was pretty sheltered, and they were pretty protective. So I got a lot of made for uh, I got a lot of TV versions of stuff. But the thing was one that my dad had you know dubbed it from a video <laughs> store, you know, like a Macrovision or whatever. Um, and my, he was like, "All right, let's let's watch this movie. Uh, if it if it's too much or you start getting scared, let me know, and we'll shut it off." And we put it on, and I just remember being creeped out, like just from the very beginning. That music, the, but you didn't you tell know, him. To, you didn't tell him to shut it no, off. No, no, no. We went you all the way through with it. But that Morricone uh, score with the dun dun, yeah, dun dun, the little heartbeat sounding uh, synth bass line, um, and then just the the special effects. Um, I know we're going to talk about the movie, so I don't want to get too much into the plot. But I, I think the blood test scene is one of the best scenes ever filmed in a movie. It is. Pure tension. Tension. The tension in that scene is so good. Uh, that's a movie. I, I I was just thinking about this the other day. I think Alfred Hitchcock died in 1980, and that movie came out in 82. 
And I always wondered what would Hitchcock have thought of that movie. And I feel like that scene in particular with all the guys, nobody trusts anybody. Everyone's paranoid. They're all drawing blood. And it's very, like the pacing of that scene. Suspenseful. It, yeah. I, I think he would have really appreciated it. And I will say that John Carpenter has made some of the best films yeah. in the genre. Um, real quick, before we continue with the thing, I forgot I'd be remiss if I didn't say They Live is one of my favorite sci-fi horror movies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Agreed. I think They Live is one of my favorite movies. Um, and I really like The Thing as well. Uh, I haven't seen it nearly as many times as you guys have, and I didn't see it when I was young. I actually saw it probably about, for the first time, about 15 years ago. We were having um, my my mom and her husband wanted to have like a horror movie night and we went over there and they rented the thing. Yeah. And I was like, I've never seen this before. And I just remember watching it. And of course you can tell that it was made in 1982, Mm -hmm. but it could have been made. You forget that this year, right? Like it it could have been like a period piece. Like, Oh, we're just going to set this in 1982. Um, The acting, I mean, except for the fact that I know Kurt Russell is a lot younger than he actually is, but Kurt Russell the acting is just really good from him. You right. got Wilford Brimley, who's well-known. Everybody else is kind of not well-known. Right. Um, there's a lot of character actors. And there's a lot of character actors, new. people that maybe have never done much since. But um, they they all did such a really good job of, and well-defined characters as well. Yeah. Um, you don't, they just look like a group of guys who are out there and hanging out and you know, playing pinball or whatever they're doing <laughs> at this outpost. And they, um, this, this thing comes to them. Infiltrates. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they, they figure it out. And Kurt Russell's such a badass. Yeah. He's a badass in every John Carpenter film he's in. Right. <laughs> and, and Brett, you mentioned something you, you said you haven't, you, you didn't see it early in life. A lot of people didn't see that movie when it came out. Yeah. It was a fa- commercial failure. And yeah. I think a critical failure. Uh, like critics and audience alike did not didn't. Well, get it was it. coming out in '82, yeah. so it came what was out, it competing against? It came out the same week. Blade as, Runner, right? I think it was Blade Runner, but uh, the big one was ET. ET I was came out. Say. I think ET came out a few weeks before, and I believe Blade Runner came out the exact same day. Which that's an amazing day for movies. So yeah. the the marketing wasn't there because at the time when ET came out, ET. America was just in love with E.T. Oh, of course. You know, you think back to the merchandising and all uh-huh. that stuff. Yeah, very family friendly. This it, was yeah. A, and when, when John Carpenter's a thing would would become your family, right? So, so they didn't want people to have kind of uh, a negative look on an alien with like, a movie like The Thing. They wanted to, you know, kind of push the E.T. instead of the thing. Yeah, and you know, when did Poltergeist come out? That probably came same out same year, I think eighty two, right around the same time. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty big film for um, Spielberg, and then you got E. T. Um, another yeah. Spielberg it's film. The Spielberg it was Spielberg. Factor. George Lucas was because right. uh, Indiana Jones had to have come right. out eighty one. I think the first one. Yep. Something. Like, yeah. So something we're like talking that. like really big, right? Blockbuster mm-hmm. films, and, and then those, you got, and then you got this. Lowly, very bleak, yeah, <laughs> yeah horror yeah. director in John yeah. Carpenter, who made probably one of the best horror films ever in Halloween. But it and wasn't enough. These, you know, Spielberg and Lucas yeah. were getting all the press. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah, that's that's too bad. Do you think it's come into its own over time? It has absolutely. It's still kind of, I think, a niche audience, though. I don't think people. Like, if you say, "Oh, name me your top ten to the average person," they're not going to say the thing. The thing's not going to be in there. No. no. 
They're well, gonna say uh, Chucky. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> in oh, space. Yeah. Well, what's, <laughs> what's cool about the thing is, you know, in recent years with horror conventions and you know horror magazines, Fangoria and that sort of thing, they've kind of kept it alive. So that cult following, and then of course the internet culture, it's always, you know, kept that movie alive. But not only that, the people who were big fans of it and are now working in Hollywood, they always cite that as an influence. Whether oh, they're, yeah. you like, know, makeup um, artists or directors. Who, or even plot. Like, uh, if you guys remember the movie The Faculty, there yeah. is a scene that's a direct ripoff yep. of the blood test scene yeah. where the kids have to snort yeah. the Well, and the realistically, drug. that movie is like kind of a remake. It's like yeah. Dawson's Creek meets the thing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, who did the special effects? Do you guys know? Uh, I don't remember the. Uh, uh, it wasn't like Rick Baker. Or no, anything it's like, like that. something oh. Botten or. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? But um, he was really young. And I think it was his first major break. I, I want to say the guy was in his early 20s. Those are really good special effects. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The, um, the other thing that I was going to mention about it uh, before we get into because well, they made a prequel called The Thing also. Uh, not the thing also, but this had the same title um, and it was a prequel, um, which was actually pretty good. Um, but just based on the thing, what is the thing? It's an alien. Uh, do we know that? Like, yeah, I mean, it, do we know it, that yeah, it's alien in, to the world? Well, in 82. Yeah, because at the beginning, the very beginning of the movie, you see the ship crash to Earth. Oh, you do? Yep. And I think that might even be before the credits. Or maybe right after. Okay. But yeah, that's how the movie starts. And then when they unearth it, or when they go to the site, they find the ship, um, or parts of it. And they they when they go to the Norwegian camp, they see the video of them excavating it. Uh, and you see overhead shots of the spaceship under the ice. And one of the characters even says, like, this, ju- judging by the thickness of the ice, what was the time? 100,000 years? Something like that. Yeah, oh, so this, this has been buried here for a hundred thousand years yeah. or something. Oh like wow, that. it was a long time. But uh, Rob Botton did the uh, oh, special the effects. effects. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. yeah, I think he had the last name, yeah. but he's a frequent collaborator with John Carpenter. So okay, yeah, I was gonna say Roddy Bottom, but that's the guy from uh, <laughs> Faith No More. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? Um, the uh, so it's an alien. We know it's an alien, so that makes this sci-fi. But what makes it so scary? I think it's a combination, the music, um, the suspense, the, obviously, the, and the, the blood fact, drawing scene and the, the setting that they're in a very desolate, uh, you know, it takes place in Antarctica uh, where, you know, they, no one can help them and no one can escape. Uh, so I think there, there's a claustrophobic element to the movie. And why are they there? I don't think that's ever explained. Are they military or are they like, that's always been my one gripe about the movie is they're scientists Right, but I don't. None of them really act like scientists, other <laughs> than maybe smart. Wilford Brimley and uh, what's the one guy's character, Copper. They're really the only ones that seem kind of science. Yeah, because there's a couple of, like I guess Fuchs, Fuchs is kind of sciencey. But yeah, you got your kind of wise guys. You got your stoner guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but man, eh, I they're I just like there it. hanging yeah. out at in out. Antarctica, <laughs> like you do, keeping warm. We touched on you know what is the thing or what. But there's also theories about what happens at the end. Yeah. Right? Because at the end, we just got two characters left. Yeah. We got just Childs and uh, McCready. So Keith David and Kurt Russell are your Kurt Russell your last and two. Keith David are sitting there and they're kind of laughing, sharing like, oh, we just went through some shit. Yeah. So 
basically everyone dies. Uh, they set the camp on fire. Uh, they, there's a big showdown between Kurt Russell and the thing. And it, it's this giant monster at this point. Um, and yeah, they burn the camp to the ground and it's just the two of them and they're just sitting there and they don't know. They sitting got outside. separated. They're sitting outside, yep. right? So they're yep. in the cold. They got separated. They're back together. Yeah. And they don't know. Neither one knows where the other one was. Um, they both have their own version of what of where they went. Uh, and we've just we been as the audience, we know what happened to Kurt Russell because we've been following we've been him. Following him. We don't know about Keith David, and they're sitting there having a drink. And there's all sorts of theories as to who is the thing is is, is any or either of them or both of them. Um, I know. I think Alan and I have discussed this before. I think we're on the same page that we we both think Childs uh, Keith David. Is the, yeah, Keith David is well because when he breathes, there's no. Yeah, so it's very cold, and you can see Kurt Russell's breath as he's talking, and you don't see that from Keith David. Although you you do a little bit. No, you do briefly. There is, uh, it's very brief, but you do see uh, his breath in the cold just slightly. I'd like to think he's yeah. so Because I remember I, reading, too, that they were like, oh, you can't see his breath. And I watched it the last one. I was like, yeah, you can and, a little bit. You know, we, we have, as Dave said, we have discussed this in the past, and sometimes my opinion changes. Um, I kind of did a little research on it and I, I've read some interviews with John Carpenter or some experts from interviews where uh, Carpenter states that we're not supposed to know who it is. Yeah. Like it's they, intentionally ambiguous. It, it's, yeah, correct. Uh, but there's things that I see in the film where I kind of feel like, well, you know, it's obviously, you know, him. And when I say him, there's, there's, two, there's two factors. So if it's Childs, there's the factor of he's wearing different clothes. Did you know that? No, his clothes changed? His clothes changed. So maybe he, got, he ripped out of his... Or something, or, yeah. I That's interesting, because uh, Kurt Russell even makes a comment, like that part where he's recording himself talking into the tape. He's like, I think it rips through you before it, uh, it takes you. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he talks about finding shredded clothes. Right. So, you know, and I'll, I've read... But when uh, he finds it, it's his clothes, because somebody was trying to right. frame him. There, there's the other factor with the... The drink? The drink that McCready has... Um, that's actually, this is actually my favorite theory. I like, yeah. what, what is, okay, let's go into this a little bit further. Cause I think I've heard this before, but refresh my memory. So, so we'll go back to where, um, uh, McCready battles the thing. So it's, yeah. When they're setting the camp on fire, right. He's got a bunch of Molotov cocktails and stuff and yeah. he's setting fires and burning oh, stuff. Okay. Oh, I see where this is going. So gasoline in these bottles. Right. So there's a scene, the, the scene where McCready, he already battles the thing. And yeah, and he and Keith David are sitting there talking things out. Uh, and Kurt Russell hands him the bottle, right? Well, here's the thing: McCready takes it. Doesn't he take a drink? He does, but he, he takes a swig, and then he hands it to Keith David. And then when Keith David takes a sip, he Kurt it goes back to Kurt Russell, and he goes, he kind of <laughs>, laughs. He goes, <laughs> yeah, he kind of has this weird chuckle, and then it goes dun dun. Yeah. Oh. So, so the implication is that he deliberately tested him by giving him gasoline or whatever was in this bottle. Uh, Keith David, who is the thing, drinks just it. Just drinks it trying to... Yeah, trying to blend in and, ass- yeah. and assim- like assimilate. And, uh-huh. uh, and, yeah, and I think it's... Now keep it. mind... Russell's kind of like, yep. But the sad part is there's not a damn thing he can do about it because right. they're both going to freeze to death out there. Now keep in mind, if you're listening, if you never 
seen the thing before and, and you know, you're wondering like, well, why is he drinking gasoline? Well, it, the alien is not going to know, you know, what, what human, alcohol tastes yeah. like. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What so lighter is, fluid yeah, or this is what gasoline, they do. you know, which begs the question, did he like it? Like when he drank yeah, it, he's like, this is good shit. Or was he like, <laughs> why do people drink this swill? But yeah. so Kurt Russell takes a drink though. Well, we he takes one for the team, I think. Uh, team human, or he, he would pretends die. he would die. Yeah. <laughs> he would, <laughs> well, die. Do we see him swallow it? I don't know. He could pretend, you know, <laughs> and, and he just kind of dribbled it out of the corner of his mouth, like when 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 Keith uh, David wasn't uh, looking anymore. He's like, Bleh. you know, because for him to pull off that trick, he's gonna pretend to take a drink to show if this is the thing. To show that, you know, hey, I'm drinking this. It's good. You have some too. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kurt Russell, like we don't see it because this is and after, then he, after the credits roll, he goes and he pees and it burns like a mofo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he lights his, he lights lights his it on fire. fire. It's like a flamethrower. <laughs> um, so he takes the drink. Keith David takes the drink. Kurt Russell starts laughing. Keith David starts laughing. And that's yeah, where it and ends. That's, and yeah, that's where it ends. And it yep. zooms I like to think that neither one of them are the thing, and they're just laughing because they're like, they're oh, we just die. went through some shit. And mm-hmm. now we're going to hear we I've, I've read people have Because asked, I love Keith David's character in that movie. He's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Pe- people have asked uh, John Carpenter you know, about the gasoline. Well, he drinks gasoline. He's like, no, it's not gasoline. It's, that's actually a drink. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I think what John Carpenter is trying to do is trying to just keep it uh, out in the open. Well, and that's part of what makes it such a good movie. Right. Because you talk about it and you yeah. hear these different theories and you're like, oh my God, that, that could be that Any, could be true. That would be that would be awesome. Anytime there's theories about a movie, we we talked about this I think a couple uh, episodes ago, but like my theory on Friday the thirteenth or whatever. Right. It's like when a movie gets you talking and you have to talk about it afterwards. That's I, you know I said this before it makes, makes that, it special. Yeah, yeah. That that's, that's how you know it's a good movie. Now, now I was going to watch the thing this week, um, but I don't know where my DVD copy of it is. <laughs> I have uh, a John Carpenter, like uh, it's got four movies, four different discs of uh, the thing, village of the dam, Prince of darkness and they live. Oh, cool. And I watched, they live recently and now I can't find the DVD. <laughs> so that's what that's you get funny. when you have kids. Um, real quick, just on the soundtracks, we've, we've brought that up a couple times in the the dun dun, like the ominous music. Um, Waxwork Records uh, released a, uh, a really cool deluxe version of it on vinyl, where it comes in a slipcase that looks like ice, and it breaks apart, like the, oh, to open the sleeve. Do you have that? Yeah, I can show you guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to open it by pulling it apart. Just really, really cool. And then we should the music's so creepy. And just yeah, awesome. we should add um, on our website on the swearwolves.com, We'll post some pictures of maybe you can post a picture yeah, of sure. that. Um, I want to talk about uh, our experience or your guys's experience more so than mine um, at Son of Monster Palooza last year because most of the cast, with the exception of Kurt Russell, was there. Yeah, most of them. Everybody who was still alive. <laughs> yeah, a couple, couple of them are gone. A couple of them have passed away, and Kurt Russell's too big of a star now. <laughs> Someday, Kurt, we'll get you. Someday. We'll get you. Um, but you guys got to meet all those people. Yeah, so we got um, we got to meet... Um, Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley, yep. Keith David, mm-hmm. uh, David Clennon, who played Palmer, uh, Joel Polis, who played Fuchs, uh, and Thomas Waits, who played Windows. And all of them really couldn't have been nicer people. Um, <laughs> Wilford Brimley, uh, he's pretty old. He was, uh, yeah. 
he was pretty quiet, um, but still very, very nice. I like the fact that on his table, they always have the eight by tens from the different stuff they've done. And on his table, he had an eight by 10 of him with Quaker oats. Yep. <laughs> and he had some Quaker oats that day because I bumped into him into the men's room. We, 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 I, ran into we almost him. got killed by him. He was on a, like a little scooter. And he, had to, <laughs> he had to shit something fierce because he came whipping around that corner and almost took us out. <laughs> so um, yeah. I'm glad Wilford made it. I, don't think I was like, were... we went to the bathroom at the same time as Wilford Brimley. We're poop brothers. <laughs> well, I didn't that poop. seems to happen to you a lot. <laughs> it unites us. It really... <laughs> so we um, met them. Um, and then, so I brought with me, so I, I had a couple of things that I got the cast to sign. So I brought a, uh, not an original, but a replica of the, uh, the poster, the movie poster art. Uh, so I got all of them to sign that. Um, and then I also brought, I bought online glass Petri dishes. Uh, and going back to that scene, the blood test scene, which we didn't really elaborate a whole lot on, but there's a scene in the movie where Kurt Russell uh, devises this plan to test who is human and who isn't. So he has each person, each member of the crew, cut their thumb open and squeeze really uh, an unnecessarily large amount of blood uh, into uh, individual Petri dishes. And then he takes a hot needle uh, and sticks it in the Petri dish. And the theory is that if you're infected, your blood would try to escape because you're not human uh, and it would jump out of the Petri dish. And at that point, they've determined that uh, it doesn't like fire. It does not. Yeah. They know it doesn't like heat and it wants to stay cold, which uh, Antarctica is the ideal place. Well, so, realistically is the earth then threatened by this thing? Cause it's not going to go to the equator. It, it's just going to hang out in Antarctica. Yeah. It's going to be like reverse. And all it wants to do is hang out with these guys and have, <laughs> and have a drink. I mean, if, if it's true that I keep, just want to infect you, replicate you, and but ultimately befriend you. But just one. I mean, they keep killing it and it keeps jumping into another body. If they would just let it stay. Yeah, let it just hang out. It, gets, it, it gets bored very easily. Let so. it be the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe just sit it down and be like, hey, listen. Those other dogs. We're going to let happy. you live. But don't, don't, don't eat me. I mean, I feel like we're, don't kill me. I feel like we're jumping all over the place, but (laughs) how it gets to their camp is because of that dog, right? So there's this chopper at the beginning of the movie chasing after this dog running through the snow. From the Norwegian camp. And the dog comes and the guy gets out of the chopper and he's like talking Norwegian to them and don't they kill him yeah they kill him yeah. because they're like he's actually warning them in norwegian but well, because he's trying to shoot the dog he's, he's trying to shoot the dog. dog they don't know what he's doing so, so they, they shoot him back shooting him but he, in norwegian he's saying it's it's gonna fucking kill you yeah basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not a dog and uh and the prequel to jump around even further before we get back <laughs> to david's story in the prequel They are in the original movie. They go to the Norwegian camp. They see the charred remains of it. They kind of figure out some stuff. Um, We talked about that earlier, but in the prequel that they made, it's what happened at the Norwegian camp when they uncovered the, the aliens and they did a really good job of, we were talking about this before we started recording. They did a really good job of replicating the camp that they established. It looks identical in the 1982 film. They stayed true to the uh, original. And I really thought that was a good idea to go before because, you know, they could have done, Oh, this is a sequel and they come across their camp and there's the bodies of Kurt Russell and Keith David just hanging out. (laughs) Yeah. But I thought the prequel was very well done. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they do the blood test. (laughs) Yeah, so I took, uh, I ordered a bunch of Petri dishes, glass Petri dishes online, and I brought those with me too. So I had every cast member also sign a Petri dish. So each dish I labeled. So I've got like a, 
I've got a Blair, I've got a Fuchs, I've got a Windows, I got a Palmer. Uh, who am I missing? I feel like there's one more. Well, you had Wilford Brimley do it, but he doesn't. Yeah, do Wilford the Brimley's not in the scene, so yeah, I got a Blair one. But technically, de- Blair's not in the scene. Is he dead at that point? He uh, his character. No, no, he dies towards. He gets. He's one of the last to so go. So why doesn't he do the blood test? Oh, because at that point they had already locked him out in a shack. I think. Oh, they were like. Yeah, they had already banished him. They think he's. Was he the so, thing? Uh, at some point he does become because he tries to build a spaceship to get out of there. So he just wants to, he's like E.T. He yeah, just, he just wants, wants to go, go back home. home. <laughs> just give him a speak and say. And <laughs> so I had all the cast members also sign a dish, which was really cool. Uh, it's Wil- awesome. Wilford Brimley was really confused. He didn't, <laughs> I could tell like his handler or his assistant, whoever was, was helping him kind of explained what it was. And I could see it in his eyes that he, he didn't really care. Yeah. He was like, yeah, whatever, dude, I'll sign this. Um, but he was still nice. But um, Keith David in particular was really excited about it. And he was like, holy shit, I've never been asked to sign one of these. Which I loved him in that scene. Yeah. It, yeah. It I just remember great. him eating a Subway sub. <laughs> and, his, and his hands were kind a, of all greasy. He had a bag of potato chips, too. <laughs> yeah, and a bag of potato chips. He's all... He's like moving his fingers around. And of course. Oh, watch this. Yeah, was, yeah. He was still eating his sandwich while he was talking to us. I was next in line and I had my photo and he was like eating his chips. I was like, oh, just please, for a second like, there. I thought you meant he was eating a sandwich in that blood test scene. I was like, I do no. not remember him eating no, Subway. No, no, no. When we met him. They had a Subway in Antarctica? That's an anachronism. <laughs> <laughs> my whole thought on this movie is different now. Um, but he was really excited about it and uh, it was really cool. I think he even like flagged a couple people down like, oh, check this out. Yeah. So now. Now I've got um, in my game room, my house where I've got all my horror uh, stuff that's signed, all of it displayed. Um, I've got the poster framed, and then right underneath the frame, I've got a shelf that has all the petri dishes. Uh, and I do have an extra one set aside uh, for, McCready. for McCready if I can ever get Kurt Russell. We'll get him one day. I'll get so you, you got to take some pictures of those. Yeah, I'll post, post those. those online yep, too. I'll post those up for sure. What about your experience there at Son of Monster Palooza getting your stuff signed? What'd you get? Well, I got uh, just a poster. No scenes from the movie and in photographs. Oh, so, nice. Uh, my wall. I like to get scenes from movies, like you know, action stills and that sort of thing. So, um, the one that I got Keith David to sign was him and McCready, and McCready's doing the test. So, uh, I got those on the wall. I thought about a poster, but uh, I couldn't find. I wanted to find a nice poster, but I I couldn't find uh, one that I really liked. They um, made. There was the one that they had for sale there. Was it there? There was this really nice poster. It's one of those Mondo posters, maybe? Yeah. I saw yeah, a couple s- guys getting that signed, and yeah. it was really, it was an expensive poster, yeah, but those the artwork big bucks. was... There's the a lot of reproduction, or not not necessarily reproduction, but... Uh, Some of those limited edition yeah. Yeah. Uh, ones that Mondo does. Yeah, I can't, a- I can't find the word for them, but you know, they're, you, know you have artists that recreate movie posters... So I guess they're yeah. recreations, uh, but yeah, they do go for big bucks. And some of them, a lot of them are really cool. Uh, you know, so I have a few in my room of different movies. The other thing that you got signed, which I'm very jealous of because I could never get this done now, is you got a They Live poster signed That's by right. Keith David. That's right. Because you had already met Roddy Piper. That's right. Uh, before he passed away, obviously. Oh, yes. Yeah. You brought that poster yeah. with you, right? I, yeah. I have a, a theatrical one sheet of uh, the They Live and I brought that along because, you know, I wanted Keith David to sign it. And eventually I'd like to have John Carpenter sign it. Uh, but uh, I'm very lucky and fortunate to have met Roddy Piper. He was the first to sign it. Uh, so naturally, 
Keith David at Son of Monster Palooza. I'm going to bring that along. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I just watched uh, They Live at the Alamo Draft House. David, you, I think you went to that yep, too. I did. My wife and I went and saw it, and it is such a fun movie, movie's a blast to watch, yeah. especially in the theater and especially with an audience. Cause I've, I've seen the movie only on, on VHS and DVD, um, at home and watching it with an audience that all wants to be there yeah. and is laughing, <laughs> at, laughing the right the, spot, the at the right yeah. spots and the fight scene, the endless yes. fight scene, the best fight scene it's in awesome. any movie. Yeah. Um, it goes on for, I want to say 12 minutes, it's something insane. And, and they definitely did not use stunt doubles. That no. Was, that and was I think, Roddy Piper and Keith David. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Roddy Piper choreographed a lot of it because it, it's, there's a lot of wrestling, yeah. um, punches and a lot of wrestling moves, uh, suplexes and whatnot. But <laughs> Roddy Piper actually gives a, such a great performance in that movie. Like when I saw that movie as a, as a, as a kid, cause I was really big into wrestling. So anytime a wrestler was in a film, I watched it. No holds barred. Um, <laughs> but um, Roddy Piper had done a movie previous uh, with Dirk Benedict called Body Slam. Right. Which was awful. Um, but uh, he was in They Live. And I also liked horror films and uh, and sci-fi and all that good stuff. Uh, so this was like a perfect mesh of everything that I liked. Right. And I saw that movie and I was like, Roddy Piper should be should win an Oscar. <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought that. Um, but uh, I really think if he would have done, gotten into the right films, he could have gone on and been um, a really good action star. Yeah, I agree. And and probably done some better films because I, I think he handled the acting. He had yeah. the chops. Um, it's, it's unfortunate he didn't get those chances. I know throughout the 90s, he was in a lot of direct-to-video what was the frogs uh, action films and hell comes to frog town hell comes to frog <laughs> yeah. town i still want to see that i want to see that too but it's interesting the story how roddy piper made it into that movie so wrestlemania 3 which took place in 87 yep uh john carpenter was in attendance and i think john carpenter this was in detroit yeah so john carpenter i think was living in detroit at the time or he was there but anyways he was in attendance and he asked Roddy Piper to be in the movie. And apparently, uh, as a little side note, Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon weren't too happy. They were kind of jealous. So that's how No Holds Bard came out. But anyways, <laughs> um, Alice Cooper was also in attendance at WrestleMania 3. So he made it into Prince of Darkness. Oh, that's cool. oh, wow, I'm not sure wow. if that's where that was arranged. But I just found that interesting. Yeah. That, you know, Alice Cooper was there yeah. as well. So. Uh, but no, uh, John Carpenter definitely took notice of Roddy Piper's talent, both in and out of the ring on the microphone. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, very physical. One of guy. the best talkers. Yeah, best, <laughs> you know, one of the greatest talkers in wrestling. Uh, also very physical guy. Not too big, not too small. Just, you know. Just right. Yeah, just just perfect, <laughs> perfect for the role that he, you know, he needed. So it's like the porridge of, uh, yeah. of actors. The Goldilocks yeah. zone. Goldilocks. Yeah, he, he had all the tools for that role, definitely. And came up with one of the best lines in the movie. I came And a lot of those lines things. in that movie were ad lib too. Came Including to do, the big one, right? Yeah. yeah. I came here to do two things, kick yeah. ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> And you know, everybody, why I, would, why would anybody say that? 
I don't know, but I love that line, but everybody loves that line. But you know when I the one in that movie that I enjoy more. I think I, I think I know too. Life's a bitch. She's, she's, she's back, back in heat. <laughs> yeah, that that one's great. But there's also there's also the scene where he's at the convenience store and he's like, You, you're okay. You you're fucking ugly. Or whatever, <laughs> whatever he says, he's like just dressing her down. <laughs> oh God. It's such a great film. It's gonna sound like a John Carpenter like blow fest here, but <laughs> but it kind of is. Like he's just a great like he, filmmaker. Yeah, and he writes his movies feel like movies that are made for like like man children. <laughs> that or or just him. Yeah, like, yeah. He's like, like, hey, this is the stuff I like, and I'm gonna make And I don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah. And you know what? I'm gonna remake the thing. Yep. But I'm not really going to remake it. I'm going to make it how I want it to be. Because right. the thing yeah. is a technically a remake. There was The Thing from Outer Space. The Thing from right. Another World or, from 1951. Yeah, and which was also based on a story um, uh, or a who novel. Who Goes There. I think it's called Who Goes yeah. There. That sounds right. Yep. Yeah, and I've never seen the original. Um, have you, either of you seen the original? I have not. Yeah. And you I, know what? I think we should watch that sometime. Yeah. And I kind of... I kind of don't really desire to because the guy who did the original was so unhappy with John Carpenter's version. Yeah, what a dick. That it it really bothered Carpenter. He was really upset about it. Whatever. Because because he really liked the original and he wanted to do his own take on it. Yeah. But um and I can't remember. So his when name. it came time for Rob Zombie to remake John Carpenter's <laughs> movie, he's just like, go for it. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't a dick about it. Right. Do you think that because there was a while there that I thought maybe they could remake They Live, right? There was talk, I think, for a while. There was I don't spec- think they, they need to. I don't want it. them to. I don't either. I just thought they should it's just fine. re-release it yeah. in, in, in mass theaters. But, um, I, do you but think- I, I think I remember hearing about that. They were supposed to have The Rock in it. I oh, think, uh, and I think he was supposed to be a trouble in Little China as well. Oh, it's just God. like, come on, oh, all yeah. right, let's not yep. put the rock in everything. I don't mind Dwayne Johnson, but he doesn't need to be in everything. Right. Um, do you think there's a a John Carpenter film that could be remade or should be remade? Hmm, I could see Christine, like a modern version. Uh. You know what I mean? Like we got the Transformers Where it's like movies. a Tesla? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's an environment. I just feel like you could fun. do a lot like with you know, car, we, you know, movies with car chases and stuff like uh, Baby Driver and movies like that. Like where I think you could do cool things with a living car yeah. mowing people down. Yeah. I think if they did it right, uh, they could maybe do something with Prince of Darkness. I was going to say yeah, Prince I of agree. Darkness as well yeah. because I think, so before I even ever saw Prince of Darkness, a friend of mine, from work and I were talking one day and he's like, you got to see this movie. And I said, what's it about? And he told me everything pretty much. And I was like, that is one of the awesomest stories I've ever heard. Then I watched the movie and I'm like, (laughs) I mean, I I I know I really like John Carpenter, but that movie, it's one of his weirder ones, but I do like it. I I really enjoy Prince of darkness. I think it has a really great atmosphere. Um, It, it kept me, it kept my attention the entire film. Uh, There's some uh, really cool makeup towards the end of the movie too. Yeah. It had some really great effects, you know, maybe I just gotta rewatch it because maybe yeah, I was it tired. might take another viewing. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it's not one of my favorite movies of his, right. um, but it's, it's a good movie, but I think it could be done. Yeah. Uh, maybe better. It, I, there's not a lot of Carpenter films. I would say that about, 
In fact, I don't think there is another Carpenter film I would say that about, but I think it could be done better. I, I thought the music was great. I thought the characters were great. Um, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm going to say this. Obviously, the music was good because I think that's one talent that John Carpenter has is scoring his films. And they came out with the John Carpenter anthology um, last year, two years ago. A couple years ago, I think. And every once in a while at work, um, you know, I work at an office. I sit at a desk and I have to concentrate sometimes. But I like listening to stuff. So some days where I don't have to concentrate, I listen to Howard Stern or I listen to different (laughs) podcasts um, because I end up thinking about that stuff. But when I need to listen to music, sometimes I'll just put on that anthology because the score of all those different films, it just puts it, it relaxes me and I'm just like able to just do my monotonous work and think about it, but yet have something in the background to keep my brain a little bit busy. And I really would suggest people um, check that out. I I know I listen to it uh, pretty regularly and I love all those pieces. And David, I know you're a huge fan, big, big fan. Yep. And uh, yeah, all of his scores are good. And w- w- another thing that makes the thing unique is that he didn't, uh, Carpenter didn't do the score on that one. Um, he handed Morricone. it off to Morricone, oh. but, but still had input. And you I'm, can still, you can hear the Carpenter influence for sure. Like, yeah. And that's part of what, uh, again, the universes that John Carpenter creates, it feels like a John Carpenter score, even though yeah. if you want to be technical, it isn't. Well, no. Something about Ennio Morricone, um, he's been doing soundtracks. For decades, forever. He's still doing stuff. He's still, he, he's still doing What other stuff. films has he done? He did a oh. bunch of spaghetti westerns, oh. um, but recently he did um, oh the Tarantino movie. Um, the, oh, uh, the Hateful Eight. Hateful, Hateful Eight. Eight. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and I think he won an Oscar for that one, if I remember correctly. I love that movie. He he is someone who uh, definitely has the talent and the knowledge to take a film and apply the perfect music to it, and that's what he did with the thing. Yeah. Um. Kind of real quick, um, I want to touch base. I haven't played it. Um, uh, Alan, I don't know if you've played it, but David, you bought the board game of the thing. <laughs> yeah, the board game is fantastic. So there's a I think it's called Outbreak at Outpost 31. I should, if I was smart, I'd have it in front of me, but <laughs> I don't. Earlier, we um, were wondering what they were doing up there. They were a research team. Yeah, but, but what were they researching? Yeah, that's, yeah, I just remember they were a research <laughs> team. But uh, yeah, Mondo released a, um, a board game version and it's awesome. Uh, so you play with several different people uh, and depending on how many people you have, either one or two, pe- or two people will be infected. And as the game progresses, if you're the thing, your mission is to either kill it, like you, you basically want the the everyone to die. So you want to infect others. Yeah, you infect without other them people, knowing. or you sabotage and you basically destroy the camp, so that way you can you know go back to sleep or whatever. Because um, then that's all he wants. That's all he wants. Uh, and then if you're a human, your your objective is to either kill the thing um, or escape. You know, get the, get to the helicopter and get out. But as the game progresses, more people can get infected and you have cards where you have to, sometimes you can sabotage people or if you need tools to complete a mission, everyone has cards and you try to like pitch in. Um, but it's fun because you can lie and you can try to That's trick great. people. So like if you are the thing, you know, your strategy might be to play nice and just try to make your strategy to get on that helicopter at the end of the game so that you can get to the mainland and kill everybody there. That sounds like a lot of fun. We should have a night where we do that. We should totally do that. Um, then there's also an Xbox or there was a video game too, that came out in 2002, which I have, but I haven't played it probably since shortly after it came out, but I had it on the original Xbox. 
And, and it was I, just called The Thing? It's called The Thing. And uh, I remember it came out to so-so reviews, but I, I actually liked the game and I found it really fun and scary and intense and, you know, it has cool, ominous music. And it's one of those games like where monsters pop out at you and you, ah, and you freak <laughs> out. Um, but I remember that game being a lot of fun it's too. It's a survival horror type game, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, that was our episode on sci-fi horror films. Um, if you guys have any of your favorite sci-fi horror films, please let us know. Um, send us a message um, or uh, Facebook us. David, you have all that information. Why don't yep, you tell everybody? So you can reach us uh, through our website, which is www.theswearwolves.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Swearwolves. We're on Facebook as well as The Swearwolves. Or if you want to email us directly, you can do that at swearwolvespodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, here's episode four in the books. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. You guys have a good week.